right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for On the Mark, powered by Booster Juice. Visit a location today to refuel, refresh, and re-energize or download the new Booster Juice Rewards app to earn, order, and enjoy. As we welcome in Mark Spector from Sin City in Vegas. All week, 9 o'clock. He's all week, 9 o'clock this week, Spec. Good morning, big guy. How are you? All week, 9 o'clock. Thanks for letting me... uh Sleep in a little bit. Of course, it's eight o'clock here, so uh, that's nice. Yeah, setting the alarm for six forty a.m. every day in Vegas <laughs> isn't exactly what a guy's looking for, man. No, it isn't. So you got there last <laughs> night. I'm sorry. You got in last night to Vegas. Got in last night on a plane filled with oiler fans, oh, and man. then went out to get a bite to eat and ran into some more oiler fans who said they were on a plane Sunday morning that was packed with oiler fans. So. <laughs> Uh, they're saying uh, they're saying there's more other fans walking the streets here right now than there are Kansas City or San Francisco fans for You're the kidding. Super Bowl on Sunday. So That's pretty cool. It sounds like a fun couple days here. Wow. So uh, what was like the the flight down? The, like with just a buzz on the plane and landing, and I guess you know yeah, yeah. Just, people were having yeah. a great time, and you know I, I think we flew around five, so people were getting into it a little bit <laughs> and. Uh, Lots of fun, man. Lots of people. Faces, you know. You know, Edmonton's still not that big a place. Yeah. There's always a couple of people, you know, on that plane. And uh, everyone coming down here looking for a good time. A huge group from Boston Pizza came down. Oh, okay. and, and they're, I think they're talking about if the Oilers win on Tuesday, taking her into Anaheim for uh, Friday <laughs> or in L.A. for Saturday. So let's see what happens. You know, what, and I mean, to, even to experience, I guess, the first couple days of uh, Super Bowl week for the, the fans down there, that'll be neat for them as well. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's Vegas. Like, I'd like to say, oh, boy, is it busy here, but it's always busy yeah. here, man. And I don't, I've never come here when it's not. So Vegas is such a weird place. It The busier it is, the happier they are, and it functions. Like, you can get an Uber just as fast on Monday of Super Bowl week as you can on any other day of the year. They they know how to handle giant, giant crowds, and there's a big one rolling in here the next day or oh, so. Oh, man, yeah. Um, how are you finding it compared to, like, just after the All-Star break? Is it a little different uh, in the sense that, uh, you know, people are kind of just kind of raring to go here? Or? Well, I mean, it's hard to tell because I just – I got in here last night, and it's – I'm going to Vegas' practice this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let's see if there's any, you know, let's, I'm not going to lie to you. They're not talking hockey here right now yeah. with Super Bowl coming up on Sunday, let's face it. But no one's talking hockey. Now it's Monday morning. we got a big game tomorrow. Let's, you know, let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel the Oilers are? I mean, obviously you weren't in practice last night because you're flying, but I mean, they'll practice today and then uh, fly out to Vegas. But just your just your general thoughts on, on where they are with this uh, big streak, 16 games in a row, and uh, looking for 17 in a row tomorrow. I noticed uh, one thing that caught my eye, Kev, and Lorianne, was that dry, both dry Settle and McDavid practice yesterday yeah. looked like. Yeah. Uh, I would think that as the only two guys at the All-Star game, they would have been given the opportunity to take a day off. And, um, you know, I... I I mean, I don't know. Sometimes you think rest, they, what do they say? Rest is a weapon. Uh, they probably could use some rest, but both those guys are on the ice skating yesterday. So that's a sign that, you know, let's face it, it's hard to run a practice without your top two centermen. Mm-hmm. I see Knobloch's got them split on two different lines again after a couple of days together. Uh, I think this is sort of the, you know, the, the, this is the default position for this team now. We used to argue whether they should play together or not. I think coming out of the break, they're back apart. That makes this team stronger. I think everybody gets that. So, 
let's go. Let's go into tomorrow's game. The West is loading up here, folks. Uh, Edmonton's got a, you know, the next team to make a big move out here. Sounds like it might be the Oilers, no? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I think sometimes, Spec, like you were talking about being a rest day, how does it work in hockey? Help me out here because I know that you can have a rest day as a cyclist and you're not going and sprinting, doing the long distances, but it's enough to turn the legs. We kind of call it um, like a massage, right? Is you're, you're going in, you're not not playing or not training, but you are. Are there similarities like that with the hockey? Oh, for sure there are. There's all kinds of different days off. Sometimes on the road, like the team will take a day off on the road, but the masseuse and the training staff hotel rooms are are open and frequented. You know, you see players are all day, they're going in for treatment, treatment, treatment when they don't skate. Uh, there's other days when they'll have an optional practice where a guy like McDavid and Drysaddle will say, ah, they don't need me out there today. I'm taking the rest. Right. But I think – yesterday being the first day back they've got two practices here before this game in vegas you know real practices leadership you know let's face it the two leaders on this team said this is not a time for us to take a half day this is not a time for us to let everybody else go out and skate well we take a massage so you know that lets you in a little mm-hmm. uh you know i i made me think back kev to when this season started and, and McDavid and, every, you know, the leaders brought everybody in here real early, remember? They yeah. all got to camp like the the day after Labor Day and the whole team was here. And I think we look back on that now and maybe say, I'm not sure we'd be doing that again, mm-hmm. right? This team had some injuries and got tired. And so I'm not saying this is the same thing, but McDavid tends to err on the side of practicing. Darnell Nurse never misses a practice, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes guys get older and maybe they take the foot off that gas a little because maybe sometimes it's smarter not to practice. Is that fair? It's Well, again, it's all – you have to manage yourself, right? You have to make sure that you're doing the right thing for um, how you need to prepare and how you need to make sure that you're ready to play the next game. And speaking of that spec, like you know, Vander Kane didn't practice yesterday. Is that so, – so coming out of a – you know, apparently an illness. That's what they were saying yesterday. But any concern there, you would think, moving forward here, coming out of the All-Star break with that? Well, let's hope. Let's see. I mean, I don't know how sick he is. I don't know what he's got. Who knows? Yeah. You know, there's all we all know it. Sometimes you're sick and you can't get out of bed. Sometimes you're sick and lasts a day. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, and then in a team atmosphere, you put a sick guy on the charter. Now, does a bunch of guys get sick? That wouldn't be good. Mm-hmm. So, you know what? I don't have enough evidence to tell you what this means for their team, but Evander Kane's a good player. He's a top, certainly top nine. I think a top six winger. Yeah, You'd rather have him playing than not. I can tell you that for sure. Where are you at with, I guess, Corey Perry moving forward? Uh, just played the one game before the break. So now, again, you know, everyone has the 10 days off, but Perry was in a different situation compared to the rest of the guys. So where are you at with him uh, moving forward here? Well, he said he was going to skate a fair bit over the break. He wasn't one of these. He wasn't going to Mexico. So, you know, I get it. He's been off. He's older. I noticed John Tavares was one of the only Leafs that brought his gear home for the trip. And he said, hey, man, when you get older, you can't just turn it off for a week. Uh, So it's time to get him playing. Let's get Corey Perry playing every night. He's part of this thing. He's a top 12 winger. Let's figure out where he's going to play. Is he going to play on that second, third line, you know, with Holloway and McLeod? I don't mind the look of that. No. Uh, if if they make a deal and bring in a right winger, does he get slotted down to the fourth line? Maybe he does. Let's see what happens. But Corey Perry needs to start playing a bunch of games here. He played once. He was okay. 
Uh, I want to see him play. You know, let's get this guy up and running and get him going, and let's see how he looks when he's played, you know, five games in whatever it is, eight or nine nights. Uh, just uh, to let our listeners know, because Kane didn't skate yesterday, McLeod moved over up to the second line with Dreisaitl and Fogel, uh, Speck, and then it was Perry Holloway and uh, and Brown on the third line. So see what happens right. with, with Kane. Speck, when I'll you... tell you what, there's, there's, sorry, Lorianne, okay. there's a guy that I think it's, I know that a lot of fans have been talking about Brown a lot, mm-hmm. and I know that I haven't. I made myself a bit of a promise that I would, you know, assess this guy's game after the first half of the season, basically the all-star break. And uh, now it's time for this cat here. Yeah. Like, we need to see something out of him because the next step for him is a press box. It, it can't continue to be zero goals, no offensive input. Uh, he's had a half a season. If it's if it's not coming back by now, it's not coming back at all this season. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Sometimes you just got to write off your failures and go out and get a better right winger. That will shape the trade deadline a little bit. If this guy actually starts producing and becoming a decent player here and, and figures it out, Ken Holland can go one way. If he gives us the next two weeks of what we've watched all season, Ken Holland's got to get a right winger mm-hmm. flat out. So when you were talking about um, Corey Perry, I know he is a little bit older, and we've talked about older athletes warming up and taking a little bit longer. What else are you seeing with some of the older athletes that is working towards their advantage that, you know, maybe as a veteran on the team that the younger athletes can use and start to go, hey, maybe that would be a great idea to bring into part of my preparation? Well, it's funny because it used to be, it used to be that older athletes discovered fitness, and and some of the oldest guys in the team were the became the fittest guys, and you and the young guys looked at him and said, "Oh boy, look at how fit that veteran guy is!" And what he was doing was just trying to stay in the darn league, <laughs> right? Now those days are gone. Everybody's in shape now, right? Everybody, you can't Corey Perry if he hadn't been taking care of his body for the last ten years, he wouldn't be on this team he wouldn't be in a league right now at his age so so i mean i I guess i guess you know again it's a different time the old guys used to spend a little more time going out for a beer and having some laughs those days are so gone now right in the nhl kev those days are so gone Corey perry he you know he can't live cleaner than the young guys because i'm not sure the young guys don't live so clean now that I mean, I don't know. Does anyone drink a beer in hockey even anymore? Know. I'm here to ask you. <laughs> don't even know. Well, speaking of that, Speck, uh, how much fun did you have Friday night hanging with the Duke? <laughs> yeah, we went to the Golden Bears game. Yeah. Having a beyond. Had a couple of beers there. They're good, tasty, cheap, well-served beers. Yeah. Awesome hockey. Great barn. I think you said, Kev, if you're a hockey fan in this town, you call yourself a hockey fan, and you haven't been down to see a game at the Drake uh, you don't know what you're doing, man. That yeah. is a really great. We had such a good time oh. on Friday night watching hockey there. Yeah, and then uh, we went to, to uh, Earl's after, and we kind of continued on for a couple more pops. And wasn't it uh, cool to Sven Butenshawn, coach of UBC, stopped by the table for a good five-minute chat, and that was nice there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know what? I Listen, I, I grew up, I'm, if anyone doesn't know, my very first start was at U of A. I worked for the U of A newspaper, The Gateway. I worked for CJSR. So I spent a lot of time and learned a lot from Claire Drake and Billy Moores mm-hmm. and Jeff Helland and Perry Zapernick and all those guys around those teams. And so to to 
you know, the Golden Bears have beaten UBC for fun yeah. for like 50 years. Well, now UBC's good. Did they win on who won on Saturday night, Kev? Bears won in overtime. The Duke went back for round two. He did, eh? Yeah. So the point I'm trying to make is it's good for the league yeah. that the Bears don't just walk away again. Like it's finally there's some competition for them. There hasn't been for years and years and years and years. I love the Bears program. They're obviously the best one in the country. They've won that Canada West a million times. Mm-hmm. But the fact that UBC can play now and come in your barn and beat you, it's good for the league. Well, Duke was saying that he couldn't believe hanging around a legend like yourself for the, the three, four hours, people coming up to you, getting the pictures and everything. And he was just oh, yeah, like, he yeah. was, Duke said he was just uh, just in awe for the three, four hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 sure. <laughs> um, so everything's good to, to go. We're nine o'clock for the rest of the week. So you would you go to Anaheim on Wednesday, Speck, or how does it work? Well, actually, we've got a little uh, side trip planned. The Oilers, the Oilers are going to play here Tuesday night, and then they're going on a little golf trip with uh, with their owner, yep. I believe, uh, maybe to, to Palm Springs on Wednesday, if okay. I'm not mistaken. So I, I don't know what they're doing Thursday. They may practice there where the Seattle's farm team is and then come into L.A. Uh, I'm going to go up to Bakersfield oh. on two Wednesday and uh, probably sit down with Jack Campbell on Thursday Ooh. and have a little chat check in on Campbell. It's nice to see his numbers mm-hmm. are much better. So let's uh, figure out where his head's at and uh, then I'll join the team down in Anaheim. So a little driving around California, Kev. It should yeah. be fun. I hear there's a an atmospheric river going on in California. Does, does that mean I should buy an umbrella? I don't have a clue what that is, no. <laughs> Atmos- <laughs> well, maybe an umbrella for sure. We all, you, well, you just have a, you, you know, you've got a, a driver, a chauffeur, right? How's it work? Oh, yeah. I rent a car and drive myself. I think I'm driving Daniel Nugent Bowman around, so that'd make me the chauffeur. Well, you should well, make sure he picks up half the tab, though. He's got to buy oh, gas yeah. or well, something. At least, a, at least a couple lunches along the way, for exactly. sure. Yep. All right, Spec. Thanks, big guy. We'll uh, talk to you tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. Edmonton Mountain time. time. Mountain time. Sounds good. 8 PT. Thanks, Spec. That was uh, On the Mark, energized by Booster Juice. Get the boost you need at Booster Juice. When we come back, Scott Billick from the Winnipeg Sun will check in and we'll talk uh, a little bit about the Jets. And boy, they're in a real dogfight in the division with Dallas and Colorado. So that's coming up right after the break. Uh, Kevin Carey, Lorianne Munzer, Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for the Puck Report brought to you by Fountain Tire. Fountain Tire is more than just tires. They offer a wide range of auto repair and services from their expert mechanics. Visit FountainTire.com to see all the mechanical services that they offer as we welcome Scott Billick back to the show. Good morning, Scott. You're with Kevin Carries, Lorianne Munzer, Olympic gold medalist from 2004. Thanks for hopping on this morning. Yeah, no problem. How are you guys doing? Doing great here. Doing great. And uh, everyone's fired up for uh, the second half. I'm sure that's the same feeling in Winnipeg, especially after the trade for Sean Monaghan. Just your your thoughts on, on the acquisition, the newest member of the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, first and foremost, it injects a little bit of energy kind of coming into the second half. Um, but, yeah, I mean, on the ice for sure, it's... Uh, second line center upgrade for this team which is maybe their biggest need but you know they need face-off help they're ranked 28th in the league in that department they need help on the power play Sean Manahan does that the Jets are 24th in that department so you kind of pick two of those biggest boxes let's say um, for this team in terms of their needs heading into the dreadline 
and, and Kevin Cheveldayoff, the general manager of the Jets, pulled it off five weeks earlier. So, you know, talking to some of the players yesterday as they got back from from the bye week and the all-star break, I think they're excited, right? They're excited. They're happy that they've been invested in. Um, and, and, you know, I think the team, and we're going to see tomorrow night in Pittsburgh, what this looks like and kind of how it comes together for this team. Um, but, you know, you would say that the Winnipeg Jets are better now than they were on Friday before the trade was made. And, you know, we're still, there'll be a 15 games for the Jets between now and the trade deadline where they'll have Sean Monahan now in the lineup and getting accustomed and acclimated to this team, this team, to the systems that head coach Rick Bonus has kind of put in place. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think this is a very positive sign and it's, you know, for a team that's had a couple of miserable seasons and they've now kind of announced kind of what their intentions are and their intentions are to see how far they can take this thing. And I, I wouldn't suggest for a second that the Jets are done in the trade market, but they went out early, struck early. And after Calgary traded Elias Lindholm to Vancouver, the Jets didn't wait any time. Uh, shoring up their second line center. So yeah, I think it's been a good kind of exciting time around Winnipeg and and you know, it's something that I think this kind of fan base fan base needed after after the last couple of years and it just kinda of continues how this season has sort of gone for the Jets, which is pretty much trended upward from the, you know, from the first puck drop. Yeah. Scott Billick uh, with us from the Winnipeg Sun. Would you say, Scott, h- how far away is Mark Scheifele to getting back to the lineup? And when he does return, would you say that the Jets are the deepest team in the league at center or one of them? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say they're one of them. I don't know if they're the deepest. I'd have to look at some rosters. But, you know, yeah, I mean, it's a formidable lineup down the middle. And Mark Scheifele is expected to be back playing against the Penguins on Tuesday. So this six-game layoff with the suspected groin injury appears to be over. So that's a good sign for the Jets. And, we're, yeah, we're going to see a, a spine of this team that includes Mark Scheifele that now has Sean Monaghan, that has arguably one of the best shutdown centers in the league in Adam Lowry. And, and because of, you know, this team getting deeper at the second-line option, they can now – afford to move Vlad Mestikov, who's been a very good player for this team and did very well covering off several injuries this season for this team. Um, move down to the fourth line. That's going to include Morgan Barron and Alex Iafalo. Mm-hmm. Might be one of the better fourth lines in this team. And it really gives this Jets team from top to bottom, from the first line to the fourth line, you know, lines that can compete with almost every other line in the league and can actually, like, score. And then one of the things that this Jets team has lacked over the years is, like, four four lines that could really kind of take it to the other teams. And so now the Jets have this team where it's just wave after wave that's coming at them yeah. uh, at the opposition. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I think one of the things Kevin Shoveldale, GM of this team, said in the offseason when they made the Pierre Lutwaud deal and, and got, uh, gave Velarde, Alex Iafal, and Rasmus to the party. His two words were depth and dimension. And, and that's the kind of been, you know, I guess the cornerstone of this team this year is that depth has been such a big deal for them, and they have different looks uh, that they can throw at any given time. So, yeah, I mean, I think not only do they have one of the best spines, let's say, mm-hmm. down the middle in the NHL, they just have, you know, up there, they're up there with the best four lines in the NHL, 
in the way that they can just keep coming and coming and coming at you. Yeah. Hey, Scott, how much more tinkering do you think uh, GM Kevin Shevel day off does here with uh, you know a month or so uh, before the trade deadline? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think they've obviously kicked off the first thing and, and the most important thing that they needed. But I wouldn't be shocked if they had a depth defenseman. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, I don't even know if you'd call Chris Tanov a depth defenseman, but I would imagine they're in on that. And But I think on the other side of that, you know, probably a right-handed shot defenseman if they can't get a guy like Tanov. And maybe kind of a depth winger at some point. Somebody at right wing, I think, would be kind of their preference if they could could do it. They're going to have, and it depends how they kind of finagle the cap here, close to $5 million still to work with wow. going into the deadline. Plenty of cap, draft capital, plenty of you know assets and, and in terms of prospects and that sort of thing. So they definitely have some room to make some, something work. Um, I, I think for now, they would probably like to go and find another defenseman. I think that's going to be their... Their, their next look here and then if they could you know a, a cheap kind of uh winger that could play maybe in the bottom six but yeah i think the next thing we'll see from this team if they can make it work and, and kind of find a way um would be a right shot defenseman scott when you're talking about finding another defenseman and winger is who would you be looking at or who do you think they would be looking at and then when you were talking about uh, Sean coming on and getting accl- acclimated uh, to the team, yep. how long does that take? Well, Rick Bonus, said, you know, to answer that question first, Rick Bonus said he's going to give him a couple of games because that's what he feels that they need and they deserve. And then after that, they need them to perform. So going by strictly what the head coach said, um, a couple of games will be given to them to kind of figure out the chemistry here. So this road trip where they're playing in Philly and in Pittsburgh on Tuesday, Philly on Thursday. Um, it's probably a good chance for that to happen and then kind of reassess when they get back here to face Pittsburgh again in Winnipeg on Saturday. So we're going to see that. So I think that's the timeline Rick Bonus has. Again, we'll see how it goes. I think they need you know a good few games, and I think that's been one of the benefits of bringing Monaghan in early. Not only can you get him accustomed to the team and all that, you can find where he fits best. Um, on the power play, is he going to play penalty kill, that sort of thing. In terms of the other question about, you know, who do they kind of look at, I mean, I think Chris Tanev would be on the top of their list, obviously. Um, but I wouldn't be shocked if they're around the Sean Walker, Nick Steeler kind of defenseman um, out in, in Philadelphia. They'll be playing against them, like I said, on Thursday. Uh, I, I think that would be kind of where they look there. As for wingers, you know, that's an interesting thing. Uh, I, I'm not entirely sure as practice gets underway here in Winnipeg before the Jets head out. I'm not entirely sure who they're looking for in wings. Again, I think it's going to be kind of a depth guy. I'd be interested to see if they try to kick the tires on a on a Brandon Tanev again, bring him maybe back into Winnipeg. That's just pure speculation on my part, but they really like Brandon Tanev, and they just couldn't keep him in that, in that draft. Um, so it'd be interesting to see kind of how that works but yeah not don't have the best gauge on on a forward but i think on a defenseman you know i think for sure they're looking for a right shot guy a rugged guy a bigger guy a guy that's really kind of all in and kind of committed and wanting to win i know that's a lot of players but it's really a specific type of guy they look for that, that, that fits in the rick bonuses system and so i think Tanev is right on top of that list 
And then from there, yeah, they might look at like a Sean Walker as a right shot guy or a really big defenseman in Nick Steeler and the way that he plays, uh, very physical and that sort of thing. Something to kind of augment their size on their blue line, which without Brendan, without Brendan Dillon and without Dylan Sandberg, they don't have the biggest blue line. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I think that's one place that they'd like to kind of get uh, if they could before the playoffs. But at the same time, you know, I think they'd take Tanov over over anything at this point. Scott Billick, Winnipeg Sun, our guest on Sports 1440. Uh, in goal, we all know how good Connor Hellebuck uh, is, uh, Scott. But, <laughs> boy, Laurent Brassois has had a really, really um, a fine season as the backup. And he, he's a UFA next year. Is there a chance that they could lose him? Or would he want to come back? Uh, can they afford him? Where, where do you see this kind of shaking down? Yeah, that's an interesting thing. Because, you know, a couple of years ago, they were in the same sort of predicament. Uh, you know, they just Lord Brassois played out of his mind and and kind of priced himself out of out of Winnipeg. And I think for two years after that, after or three years in total, that Brassois was gone, they they couldn't they just couldn't shore up that position the same way. So it'd be interesting to see now that they have Hellebuck signed long term, if they invest a little bit more to try and keep Brassois around. At the same time, like every time you talk to Lord Brassois. The only thing he talks about is being a starter in this league. And he's run into some times. So, I mean, he could have could have potentially led, obviously, the Vegas Golden Knights to mm-hmm. a Stanley Cup last year, but he got injured in, in the second round there after after beating the Jets in the first round. But I think the drive there is still for him. You know, you know talking to him earlier this season, he very much wants to be a, a, a starting goaltender in this league. He believes he has what it takes to do it. He believes he's a... He's, he's, he's passed his injury woes that he's had over the last the last few years, and and yeah, I mean he's just after the start of the year where he had a little bit of a rocky start, um, you know he settled himself, he found a way, and since then yeah he's been lights out, he's been he's been very good for this team, and he's definitely earned the right down the stretch here to play more games to, to the old load management kind of term where. They would like to not have Connor Hellbuck playing 65 games a year. Uh, and Laurent Bessois is going to afford them to do that. The fact that they played so well in the first half, accumulated as many points as they did. Um, you know, and win, in terms of winning percentage right now, they're the first place team in the Central. So they, they, they've bought themselves some time here and, and the ability to play LB a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, Bessois still wants to be a starter. Still feels like he has a few years a window to do that. So um, you know, unless there's not a market for him in the summer, um, maybe he resigns here. But you know, I, I gotta think that uh, he might be looking elsewhere in the Jets, unless the Jets kind of you know maybe back up a Brinks truck in front of them. <laughs> but they, they're not going to be able to afford that, I don't think. And so it'll just depend. I mean, I know one of the things with uh, these two goalies, they they're good friends. They they do a lot of training together. They think a lot of the same way. The goalie voodoo with, between these two is, is very real. And so there's something to that for these guys and the comfortability and the friendship that they have with one another. I mean, obviously, at the end of the day, you know, you got to look out for number one in this league and try to maximize your earning potential and your opportunity. And I think, I think Laura Bessois this summer, when it gets there, is going to be – he's going to have opportunity. And, uh, I, I, you know, my first thought is I wouldn't expect him back in the fall. But we'll see how it goes.
Uh, Scott Billick with us, uh, Winnipeg Sun. What do you make of this uh, dog fight that we're going to see in the second half with Colorado, Dallas, and the Jets? Three teams so close together in the standings. Uh, you know, Winnipeg could finish anywhere from first to third in a matter of a couple of days. That's what. That's how tight things are. But uh, just your thoughts on that race? Well, I mean, the first thing I think of is finish first because you don't want to be you don't want to be facing one of Colorado or Dallas in the second round or in the first, first round um, and and I think that's just kind of priority number one for the Jets but I mean I think the other word that comes to mind is fun right like I, I think I think you're going to watch the second half of hockey in the Central Division like the Central Division has become that that, that gauntlet again right like it, it, is a, it is a tough division to play in there's a lot of good teams now that are fighting for first place I mean, three or four teams you could put in there that, that could potentially, you know, well, at least three teams that are fighting for third place, first place. But, I mean, as we saw with the Minnesota, like the Minnesota, the Jets have been beaten by Chicago this year. Uh, it, it's, not, it's not an easy game even against some of the lower teams in, this, in the division. Arizona's another one. So, yeah, it, it's a tough division. And I think, you know, for the Jets, it's just about not maybe thinking so much that you got to finish in first, but... But, but sort of knowing you need to, just so you don't have to play that that first round, which is going to be an absolute barn burner for whoever gets it, whoever finishes second and third in this division. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at it. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch down the stretch. And it's really, in, in my mind, going to test who the Winnipeg Jets are, right? I mean, this is the thing. Like, we know that Dallas has a pretty good, you know, structure, and, and they've done it over the years. We obviously know Colorado – uh, the cup winner from a couple of years ago. They know exactly what to do in these situations. It's the Jets that we want to see. Um, what, what are they going to do? How are they going to handle the pressure? What's going to happen if you know, it's two weeks before the end of the year and the Jets are nursing a first-place lead but have to hold on to it and have to play maybe a Dallas or a Colorado down the stretch to keep first place? So I think you know, for us in Winnipeg here, we still have a lot to learn about this Jets team. I think that, you know, with this race in the second half, uh, that's going to be one of the most intriguing things to watch, at least from a Winnipeg perspective. Hey, Scott, thanks so much for your time uh, this morning. Really appreciate it. Uh, good insight. And uh, it's going to be a heck of a race uh, in the division uh, moving forward here. Thanks for coming on today. Yeah, indeed. Thanks so much. Appreciate it, guys. That's uh, Scott Billick from the Winnipeg Sun and our Puck Report, brought to you by Fountain Tire. Head to FountainTire.com. To check out their winter tire lineup and brand offerings. That's going to be just a heck of a race when you think about those three teams, you know, so close there and they're just so evenly matched. Uh, Dallas right now with 66 points, the Jets with 65, and Colorado's got 67. So two points separating the three teams. Winnipeg does have a couple of games in hand on both those teams. When we come back. The monster. Are you ready for? Are you in or are you out? Oh, I'm. So you're totally in. ready. Really? I'm in. Did you go through the questions that the Duke put forth? I did. I got a couple questions for him, though. Oh, um, <laughs> well, uh, oh, well, we'll have to see what those are then. Uh, that's coming up right after the break. Uh, stay with us, Kevin Carey, Lorianne Munzer on Sports 1440. All right, welcome back to the big program. Kind of time now for a little in or out. One question, Duke, and I looked at all your 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 five uh, questions and points. We've never had a Taylor Swift song on the show, have we, ever? I think I've put one in. Nah. Well, def- I, I've definitely thrown one in the mix on Fantasy Frenzy at some point. Okay. 
I think do, we do you want to have a little Taylor Swift come well, out of the top of the hour here? Why what? wouldn't we? Eh? Why not? Why wouldn't we? Get well, we did get a text. I remember I said that uh, she kind of blew <laughs> the off. The Celine Dion thing. And then uh, who's the guy? Someone sent the text in and said... Uh, 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 the Conroys. Back, the Conroys sent the picture. Backstage, you troublemaker, you sent a picture of, uh, of the, the two of them, Swift and Celine Dion, hugging each other. But backstage after so i'm betting that somewhere someone said hey you kind of blew our blew her off and then you got to do a little yeah. makeup photo Ooh. up and exactly. and like we said off the top we don't think there was actually any, no. any animosity no, no, from no. the gesture it's just like yeah. you know you're up on the stage it's all a whirlwind yeah. you, you get just grab your, that make your thing and then make your speech yeah. and then grab that grammy and get the hell out of there eh? push push celine away and what's with you know like why is, maybe like, that it, was a media opportunity thing yeah. set up right the like the the grammy trophy yeah, like it's obviously so, like, like a, a, a record player with yeah, the, the speaker old... and stuff on it. Mm-hmm. Like, could we update that? Why? It's iconic. <laughs> oh, hey? just like Kramer when he won the Tony. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a great one. Yeah, he, when he won the well, that's okay. L.A., you got to get into a little Seinfeld. I, I and, have it down to do. And then absolutely, curb and your then, enthusiasm was yes, the uh, the next the final the season first show last night. Larry David. I saw something. Larry David didn't he have a Rangers jersey? Was he? Yeah, he was yeah. Uh, checking out the uh, the new stadium series, yeah. which is coming up this month, I think. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Jonas Brothers playing. Oh, I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah. All right, time now for Are You In or Are You Out? We had some great time. We're about to have some more. I know that look. I'm putting together a team. And I'm in. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. Are you in or are you out? On Sports 1440. I'm out. All right, Duke, let her rip, big fella. All right, Kevin, Lorianne. Uh, All-Star Weekend wrapping up from Toronto. We chatted with it uh, or with Stephen Ellis about it right off the top of the show, saying, by all accounts, a big success down in Toronto. And I think I agree uh, from the outside looking in. And I'm saying this year's All-Star Weekend format, start to finish, was good enough that it should be welcomed back in the future. Ladies first. Thank you, sir. I'm in. I think this is a phenomenal event. I think it showcases some of the world's greatest talent and really cool to see different combinations of players put together. The draft was awesome to see. And I think bringing the celebrities in really (laughs) added a new twist and, and fun that maybe sort of like Taylor and football brought in some new fans. So... I'm in. What would it take to get Swifty to the All-Star game? I don't think the NHL has enough money. No. <laughs> uh, I'll go in. I, I, I'll be honest. I don't care about the All-Star game. No one really. I mean, I enjoyed, actually, to be honest with you, I liked watching the highlights. I was kind of like Stu Skinner. I watched the highlights of the skills competition. Later. After seeing yeah. that Connor McDavid was the winner. Yes, just because, just like Stu said, I wanted to see what Connor did. Yeah. And, you know, but, and he had a big say in what the process was moving forward Mm -hmm. with the skills and things like that. So, you know, the all-star game again, it's not for the normal fan. It's for kids. It's for sponsors. It's for the people that just want a little bit of a break. They can, you don't have to watch it, pull away, but I'm going to go on man because I think it's just a time to reset and get ready for the second half. So I'll say this. I, before she showed up at that Calgary flames game back in December, I think it was, (laughs) I had literally never heard of Tate McRae before in my life. And now, like, 
it's because of all the NHL stuff and her interaction with the league. Like in terms of the algorithm, you on like both her. My, eh? oh, I think like uh, Strudwick said this when he was co-hosting last week. He listens to a lot of her music in the car with his daughter. Her music's quite good, actually. Like, mm-hmm. I, I I liked it. Her thought her performance um, between the games yesterday or Saturday was was good. She would perform well live. Good dancer, and I mean, yeah, she's a, a very fine young woman. Um, I'd love to meet her someday. <laughs> Well, I'd love go ahead, dude. Love to meet her. Go someday. ahead, love yeah, to meet I mean, her someday. And she's probably saying the same thing right now. Oh, I can't wait till I meet the Duke. How could she well, not? Yeah. Well, she's only she human. Wasn't on the show this morning. Yeah, she's I, only human. Perfect. I'm gonna get Brad on that one. Try yeah. and book Tate McCray to come on the show here. Next, awesome. next, uh, next Flames Oilers game. She'll give us our tea up. Yeah. The, she was very dis- Elias Lindholm, apparently one of her favorite players, was yes. very disappointed to see him well, uh, traded out of town. So see what happened when he was drafted almost last overall. <laughs> yeah. She was tearing yeah. up. Wasn't wasn't I hot on that yeah. one? Good good for <laughs> me. Um, my takes always so good. Uh, Jesse Pugliarvi signing with the Pittsburgh Penguins over the weekend, a two year, one point six million dollar contract. Uh, left Edmonton to not much fanfare as his time here came to an end, the former fourth overall pick. Uh, Penguins with 36 more games on the schedule. I think the Bison King, depending on this is all going to be dependent on where he slots into the lineup. Right now, I think he's sitting on a third line uh, in practicing, but I think he can produce at a half point per game riding shotgun with one of Geno Malkin or Sidney Crosby. I'm out on this. I mean, I just, uh, you know, real nice young man, always pleasant. Um, good heart, uh, big smile, um, energetic, but just I, I don't see him having any success in this league, unfortunately. He's obviously done enough in his tryout with Wilkes-Barre, et cetera. Well, 800000 a year. He, that he got a, co- a yep. two-year yep. contract. So, you know, he's so like... he's a, done something to impress the brass that I think he will get a decent look in the lineup. And I, I don't know. We always say, and it's like, well, he was the fourth overall pick for a reason. That skill set is still in there. We saw him dominate at the World Juniors, success mm-hmm. at the World Championships. I, I don't know. Like, who, maybe it's just a matter of this second second opportunity in the NHL. New look, new teammates can get something uh I'm something already I, I'm out. So. Yeah, it's very fair. I'm, I'm Maybe I'm, I'm looking this uh, optimistically. Too, little too glass half full. All right. I'm going in. Okay. I'm going in because well. I, I was I was checking him out and he's 25, and just like what you said, their Duke is sometimes that second chance or second opportunity, whichever way you're looking at it, can be a gift. So getting sent home isn't necessarily a bad thing. So coming back, I'm going to say he's going to be hungrier, and I'm going to say yeah, we're going to see those half point per game coming. Dream big. Yeah. Dream big, Jesse. Poor Yessie. Poor Yessie. Uh, Super Bowl week kicking off down in Vegas uh, kind of officially today. It'll be media week. And then, of course, the big game on Sunday. Oilers are there tomorrow night. We might have a little more uh, topic uh, discussion on that tomorrow. But for today, I'm yeah. saying once Vegas adds an MLB and NBA team, which should both probably be coming in the not-so-distant future, Vegas will solidify itself and immediately become a top-five sports town in the entirety of the United States. Totally in on this one. I mean, just think about before the Golden Knights went there and other teams were even thinking about it, other leagues, and they were all, the, it was a, like a morality thing. Well, we can't have a team in Vegas. Yeah. People are going to bet on, you know, this is going to be a travesty. Da, da, da. And now look where it is in right now. And then when you look at how the Golden Knights came in, and they didn't have to. They had. They didn't have the competition from the other sports like Seattle. So Seattle goes in, and you got you know obviously the Mariners are big and the Seahawks are huge. So they had to battle their way. They're still battling. They're still trying to find their way. 
Hockey goes into Vegas. They didn't have anything else. But now, when you see with Major League Baseball around the corner, I don't know how far NBA is. Like, when the NBA decides yeah. to expand, Vegas has to be one of the spots, right? But we're, that's, we're talking years and years for that, I think. Do you, you think, think years and years? I'm thinking just years. Okay. Not years. Okay. Years. Well, how many years? So five <laughs> years. Five years? So you I think, think there'll I think be an NBA team in five years? The announcement will be within five okay. years. Like the expansion will be decided. Uh, whatever. Uh, uh, it, to me, in my mind, it is. It's right up there already. Yeah. It's getting there. But uh, when those two teams come in, it'll be over the top for those two leagues. So I'm in. I'm in. Uh, I think right now, Boston, LA, New York, Tokyo, Chicago, pretty top. Vegas, it's it has everything there. Everything that you want for family, sports enthusiasts, entertainment. And so it will become the center. Lauren has rattled off kind of her other ones. Would yep. you agree with those, Kevin? Uh, Boston, New York, Chicago. I, yeah. I, is LA a good sports town? No. I, I don't really think it is. I think it's a lot of celebrity yeah. fans and Fairweather fans. Um, I honestly, and I think I think this city can. I said United States, but I think it counts because they play mm-hmm. in the league with the rest of the uh, major four sports. But I think Toronto. Uh, certainly qualifies as a as a top sports town as well. You see the support the Blue Jays yeah. and the Raptors get when they're you know making their playoff pushes, and um, even during some of the the lean years, mm-hmm. they still have gotten pretty good support uh, since those big playoffs. New York runs. is unreal. If you yeah. ever have a chance to go to Madison Square Garden, just simply amazing. And then for me, Chicago is number two. So number four, this day. 1924, the first Winter Olympics drew to a close, and we are now sitting at 172 days away from the 2024 Paris Games getting underway. Uh, I think if the Olympics were to return to the same year and same host city for the Olympic cycle, it would uh, draw more interest and kind of rejuvenate the interest and uh, power of the Olympic Games. This is up your alley, LA. Go for it. Interesting perspective. Um, I know what it was like being there in two Olympics, Sydney in 2000, birthplace, Athens, Greece in 04, and it was just absolutely crazy. Uh, COVID, yes, I think uh, put a bit of a damper on it, and I think it is coming back to a resurgence. Paris, oh my goodness, that is going to be phenomenal, and I think it's going to bring bring in more people, so I'm in. Okay, I'm I'm sort of in on this in the sense that I've said this for a long time. I think there should be um, figure out the cons. So one in North America, one city, one in South America, one figure it out whatever summer and winter, and it should be on a, like a four or five year rotation. Like every so the, four the years. same city, the same hosts city, yeah. Every fourth, Olympics. whatever it is, figure if it's four, four or five, or if, one per continent. So every six Olympics, whatever. Yeah, figure yeah. that out. So if you're going to host it, say New York is going to host it in whatever twenty, or say Paris is. So Paris is going to host it in 2024. Paris does it again in 2044, mm-hmm. and you keep building those. So you, so all your 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 restructuring of the venues, uh, your infrastructure for all the venues just keeps. The money keeps going in there. Like when you were, like you see in Greece, it's there's nothing. It's an elephant. It's a joke. It's done. Well, it's the same as Montreal was yes. with the velodrome. It's not yep. a bug. And the, the, like even the big O, right? All, yeah. Like it just went downhill. So yeah. now at least you have that infrastructure there. You're putting money back into those places instead of starting from scratch in other places. It's so. funny you mention that, Kevin, because that's actually how I was originally going to phrase this oh. question, that I thought it should just be a rotation of the same cities mm-hmm. for exactly what you just said. And that was similarly put into the phrasing the way I did end up settling on this, is that 
if you have it in the same place, at least you can maybe reuse yeah. some of the facilities for both the Summer and Winter Olympics. And of course, not every country is going to, uh, or every city is going to lend itself to hosting, say, a Winter Olympics. You need to have the proximity to a skiing facility, whatever the case. That's why, you know, the whole country maybe could be considered the host instead of mm-hmm. just a city. Um, but I agree with you, like the infrastructure, the the marketing and stuff you can do instead of only going on two-year cycles, you can run the full four years. Get Make sure that the facilities are ready instead of being as rushed with it. And, and <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I just think there's a it's lot of positive a, to spin from the, uh, going to the same place. The amount of money that these cities lose is and first of all the the bidding is too high like the IOC's got to step back here and go what are we doing you know the amount of money that these cities lose putting all these facilities together it's it's crazy yeah. even going and doing the bid per cities because mm-hmm. Edmonton I think was vying for a Commonwealth, Commonwealth, yeah, yeah. Uh, Commonwealth, Commonwealth Games and then they pulled out and it's just like oof well, look at look. Uh, you said the the World Cup uh, matches were announced yesterday, and Edmonton, of course, was very strong uh, in the consideration to host some <laughs> of Canada's games. But they wanted uh, Edmonton to spend Lord knows how much money to get um, the renovations done to suit what FIFA deemed acceptable for uh, Commonwealth to host games. And they said we're not willing to spend that much money of our own dollars. Pass, like give it the, put, uh, put the, in Toronto and Vancouver. The other thing there, that, and the true story about that is that FIFA wanted. Nothing to do with Edmonton no. as part of <laughs> part of this to host games. They wanted Vancouver all along. Uh, they they needed that. Uh, but then why the don't they just say, "Hey, Vancouver"? Wow, well, because Vancouver pulled out. So Vancouver pulled out and went. We're not. We don't want to do it because we're we're not going to bow to FIFA command, uh, yeah. demands. That's what happened. So Vancouver bowed out, and then everyone went. Well, what's going on here? And that's why everyone thought Edmonton would get in mm-hmm. and host some games. But all along, FIFA for. The one, one of the main points where it's, was the fact that it's on Pacific time. They needed another yeah. another city on that Pacific time. Yeah. So, And obviously Vancouver's a lot. I mean, compared to Edmonton on the world stage. World stage, right? Way I is, mean, so. yeah, we, 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 we here all know how great our city yeah. is, in the, especially in the summertime. But um, And then uh, last one very quickly for you guys. 66th Grammys went last night from Los Angeles. Uh, Taylor Swift announcing the new album. We've talked at length about her influence on the NFL this season. I, like I'm only 29 years old, but I'm saying like I have never in my life seen one person have a grip on the world of music and probably pop culture to a greater extent. Like the only thing that I can compare to based on what I've read, heard, uh, seen docs on, et cetera, is the Beatles. And I think this is the biggest grip on the industry since the Beatles uh, first came onto the scene with the uh, Euro invasion. Go ahead, L.A. Well, I was just thinking, this is this is actually a really great comparison. I was thinking right. about uh, Shania Twain. Ooh. When she came onto the scene, it was like, oh, I was in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And then Spice Girls in 1989, they just blew up in the UK. <laughs> it was 1989. It's funny how you remember yeah. certain places. And then, of course, Cher. Um, there's a whole number of them. Celine, uh, phenomenal. I think Taylor is doing something new and just promoting it in a way, and I'm going to go, I'm so in. So you're in? I'm you're totally in. in. Okay. Yeah. I am so out on this, it's oh, not even funny. Kevin. I'm out. I'm out with gout, <laughs> everything. Um, out with gout. So who's done it Jeez. since, or in between, okay. like, to this extent? Well, is it just female, for one? No. Okay, well, okay, Whitney Houston, in my mind, mm. was a bigger, um, was a better singer, bigger star. Oh, well, yeah. Um, Michael Jackson. That's probably a fair okay. one. So there's a couple right there. Mm-hmm. 
So that's just two. But I, I would just go, if we were, I thought we were just doing, it was female women. So I would just go Whitney Houston, in my mind, had a bigger, um, I don't know. I, I liked her better than Taylor Swift. How's that sound? Well, I, I like in terms of the music, I yeah. do too. But it's it's insane. This like I see things pouring across Instagram and stuff. Like it is as if Jesus Christ Himself was just <laughs> reborn every time Taylor Swift announces a new album. Delta Valley Jeff just says, well, "How about uh, Elvis, boys and girl? When did Elvis make his? He was before spring onto yeah. the scene. Yeah, yeah, he was before. He predated the Beatles, right? Yeah, yeah, before the Beatles. Yeah." But then there's also the, the the head-to-head of going the Beatles and Elvis Presley, and it was the remix of A Little Less Conversation, yeah. A Little More Action that mm. catapulted Elvis over the Beatles. But I would I, Whitney Houston, for me, um, way bigger than, uh, than Swifty. Hmm. You don't like that? We'll, I, we'll have to check the numbers. Well, check yeah, the, we'll check the numbers. We've got to run the numbers. Um that was a great question. Yeah, it's, well, like that. there's a lot of options, right? There's so many options. I, I would say, I think, based on a couple texts coming in, uh, BB, Triple Cena truck, like Michael Jackson, I think maybe is the one that I'm willing to concede the point to. Yeah. That might be the only one. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's Michael. Well, so, I, again, of, good question. Of, there's there's so many. Another Rolling Stones. Another one just came, comes in from Rod. You know, Stones. they came in. Okay, what about Aerosmith? If we're gonna go down that route, <laughs> they're no, they're uh, not even in the conversation, come Ellie. Come on, Aerosmith. Aerosmith. Come on. Uh. What's come on? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'm gonna bring in the Bangles, Manic Monday. Yeah, the Bangles are out too. <laughs> um, well, thanks a lot, Lorraine. That was fun today. Was uh, what, fun. what do you got cooking for the week? Oh my goodness. Um, Ride, ride, get outside, get get playing, and I think uh, who was it when Scott was talking about making sure that you've got fun, being part of the day. Mm-hmm. That's the core element yeah, of this. Have week. fun today. Yeah, playing. Good stuff. Thanks. Um, have a great week, and we will see you back here on Monday. Yes, you will. Have a good uh, week. Top of the hour. Mark Spector. No, just kidding. Uh, Soren Petro from the program on uh, 810 WHAB in Kansas City uh, will guest with us at uh, 1020 and we'll have a little open text time. We've got a lot of people texting in and talking about uh, Michael Jack Madonna. Hey, Madonna. Oh, that, there's another one. Yes. Okay. You what know. about Lady Gaga? Yeah. I mean, there's there, there's tons. Oh, there's a whole so number of them. There, yeah, not a lot of Swifties love so far oh, on the text line. Yeah, but I think Taylor's doing something, yeah. marketing, and just bringing everybody in. No question. And sports. Uh, that's all coming up in the 10 o'clock hour. Before that, time now for a Sports 1440 update with the lovely and talented Donnie P.